Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to episode 160 of Live Free Creative Podcast, meal planning for people who hate meal planning. I'm excited to share some tips, ideas, and some solutions to some of those meal planning problems that many of you may have experienced. I have to tell you that I am recording this episode as well from Costa Rica. When you listen to this, if you listen first thing Thursday morning when it releases, I will have probably just arrived home. It's been a fantastic 10-day celebration of our 15th anniversary in paradise. So wonderful. I'm so happy to be here and happy to have the chance to bring the podcast along and to record on the fly. The other day, I woke up early, right around the time the sun was rising, and I walked down from our hotel room to the beach, just about a three-minute walk, and I sat on kind of an old log that was hanging out underneath the palm trees and watched some early morning surfers catching these incredible waves that were breaking just off the shore, this cliff up behind them, just a gorgeous, inspirational way to start the day. And of course, I had brought with me my trusty Golden Coil Planner. This episode is brought to you by Golden Coil, and I'm so happy to be partnering with them again this year to share about their incredible product. Golden Coil is a planner company that's totally customizable pages so that you can slide in tracking pages that you need. Depending on what you do for work, you may want to include some financing or expenses pages. You may include some meal planning pages. We'll talk about that a little bit more this episode. You can include a mood tracker or habit trackers for different types of daily habits that you're forming. I love there's also a bunch of creative entrepreneurial pages for uh, storyboarding if you like to create videos or if you're someone who works with companies in any way, there's like partnership pages where you can create some of those plans. 
the actual planning part, more than the scheduling, I think we think about planners as like where we write down our schedules. It's the big kind of capital P planning that I really love using my golden coil. When I can pull out some note pages sitting on the beach and look out over the waves and into the horizon and ask myself the question, what is going really well right now? What are the things that I'm really appreciating in my day-to-day life or in my business or in my family? What's going well? And of course, when you're sitting on the beach in Costa Rica, you can think of a lot of things quite easily. I also have a chance to sit down and, and write down, ask myself, what are some things that I want to work on or that I'm focused on right now? Where do I want to give my attention and my time? I also am revamping a program right now that will be ready. The doors will be open for you to register for the program sometime next month. Right now, I'm finessing some of those details, and it was really fun to have just the wide open space in an early morning to flip open to a note page in my golden coil and to write down some of the ideas that I have for how to guide people through the process and the pathway that I'm hoping to teach them about and uh, the different ways that I can be as clear and concise and efficient and effective as possible as a teacher and a coach and a guide through my program. I love keeping all of this stuff in one place and my golden coil is the place that I keep it. It's been the place for the last five years, maybe six years now, that I can dream big and then page by page turn those dreams into reality, into actionable steps where I actually move forward with them and am able to bring them to life. If you are interested in trying out using a Golden Coil Planner to turn your big dreams into plans and turn those plans into actionable items in your everyday life, you can use the code LIVEFREE for 10% off your order. Right now is a great time to order. You can customize them and have the planner to you you know, by the beginning of the year so that you're ready to get a jump start on 2022. Use Live Free for 10% off your entire order at Golden Coil. I want to start today's episode with a little life lately and by asking you for a little favor. Other than spending my anniversary in Costa Rica, one big exciting thing happening in my life lately is that a few months ago I made the big decision to apply for a master's degree for this coming year. If accepted to the program, I will begin in September of 2022. And right now I'm in the process of finishing my essay and my resume. I've already asked my letters of recommendation recommenders to send in their letters. And I know one at least has already been submitted. The other two are are in process. It's all very fun, it's very exciting, and I'll be honest, it's a little bit nerve-wracking. I have toyed with the idea of graduate school ever since I got my nursing degree. I have a bachelor's degree of science in nursing along with my registered nurse license that I got way back in 2008. And even then, as I was going through school, I loved school, I love learning. And I had considered a a few different degrees that I make want to go back and get later on. And then as I had more children and got involved in running my life as well as my business, I had kind of put that on the back burner until about a year ago, I stumbled across a degree called a Master's of Applied Positive Psychology. 
I heard about the term first in a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker, who is a PhD doctor of applied positive psychology. And it was the first time that I had kind of put together that this was an entire field of study, that self-development, as I have been learning about it and teaching it for many years, has a science to it and that there's something beyond just good advice and positive thinking. There is specific research and evidence that goes into what contributes to human happiness and flourishing and how can those things be optimized in order for someone to live their best life. You know, quote unquote cliche, <laughs> live their best life. Well, I have a good friend who is currently in a positive psychology and religion program. And as I saw her get started, I recognized the feeling that I wanted to do a program as well, that this was a master's degree that I wanted to pursue, that I want to learn about these things and become even more of an expert in the field of well-being so that I can continue to share uh, ideas for living a creative, adventurous, and intentional lifestyle. All of those things, I believe, are pieces of this human flourishing. So I chose a program that's nearby. It's at UPenn up in Philadelphia. It's kind of a cool program designed for professionals. So you're only on campus one weekend a month and the rest of the time you're doing online studies. And if I am accepted, I believe it will fit really well into my lifestyle and I'm like giddy thinking about it. It was funny because I found the program, decided I wanted to apply for it and got really excited about it. And then I realized that it's not like a sign up thing. I don't just like register. I'm actually applying and there's a chance that I won't get in. And I had to kind of come to terms with that as well, that I'm going to put forth my best effort and the best application that I can and try to you know, showcase why I would be a good candidate for this program. It's a, a pretty competitive program to get into. And uh, you know, the, my best is all I can do. So just like I've told you many times before in different episodes over the last several years, you can only do what is in your control to do. And sometimes you have to leave the rest in someone else's hands. So what I can do is fill out the application, write a great essay, submit my resume, pay the application fee, and then keep my fingers crossed. Now, all of this exciting news is also accompanied by a little favor that I would love to ask of you podcast listeners, especially those of you who have listened for a while or for whom this show is part of your weekly routine, part of your lifestyle, and something that you would consider having benefited from. When I mentioned a couple weeks ago on Instagram that I was getting ready to apply for this program, I had someone comment and say, hey, could we, as your podcast listeners, write a letter of recommendation for you, like a joint letter of recommendation? And I kind of chuckled and thought, oh, that's so sweet. I, you know, I love that idea. And of course, I have to ask like individual people to <laughs> submit my letters of recommendation. As I've been working on my essay, however, it has occurred to me how it really would be quite helpful to have some specific reviews from members of the podcast community or if you've read my book and you really enjoyed my book, to have some almost like case studies of how the work that I'm already doing in the field of you know self-development and intentional living is benefiting people now. Because a piece of my essay is explaining to the admissions board how 
getting this degree and furthering my education in the field of positive psychology will impact my career. And I'm trying to explain what my career is right now and how I already am teaching and sharing ideas and inspiration for living a more intentional, fulfilled life. And I think including some of your examples and some of your stories could be really powerful. Not only you know would it be heartwarming and really uh, feel really fun for me to read through how this podcast has affected your life over the last several years or how my book has touched you and, and influenced you, but also that I may be able to turn around some of those and share some specific examples in my essay um, so that the admissions committee, who has no idea who I am from you know anyone else, will, uh, will maybe be able to get a little bit of a feel for the work that I'm doing and the work that I will continue to do in the future. So that said, my favor to ask is this. If you feel so inclined and would be interested in helping me in this way, I would love for you to A, either leave a written review on iTunes. I would say just email me, and you can, of course, just email me, but I feel like these things also are like what would be perfect review fodder. So you can either email me at miranda at livefreecreative.co or leave a written review on iTunes about how the podcast specifically has helped you or influenced you to live more intentionally or more happily or to feel more engaged in your life or your relationship. Uh, you can use an example of a specific episode that's been touching or just generally the show you know, as a whole. I also would love to invite you, if you've read my book and you felt like it is something that you've continued to think about or it's impacted you in any way, that you leave that review on Amazon. And again, you can email me the review or you can leave it on Amazon. And I'm going to, just this week, I am planning on sending in my resume before Thanksgiving. So I have about a week and a half to finish it up. And so... I'll check, I'll keep checking back in, but if somehow this week or this weekend you could leave a review in one of those two places or send me an email acknowledging or, or explaining or just sharing a quick story about how some of the work that I've done has been impactful for you, I would be eternally grateful and uh, thank you so much for your support and for continuing to be part of this community and listen to the show and read the book and engage with the work that I create in a way that is beneficial for you. So that, my friends, is Life Lately and my favor. Thank you so much to those of you, thank you in advance, who are going to go um, write a new review in one of those places or send me an email. And uh, now let's get talking about meal planning. I know I have talked about meal planning before. I've written about it on my blog for years, over five years, and I have a whole online course dedicated to the topic of meal planning, Seven Days, Seven Dinners. It's a $17 course with seven lessons that walks you through this process along with videos and audio and worksheets. Today's show is going to be similar and different. I want to talk about meal planning, and of course, I love the minimal meal planning method that I've used before, but I want to talk about it in a new way. Today, I'm going to talk about four specific obstacles that I think people face when it comes to getting dinner on the table, specifically dinner, right? We have to eat breakfast and lunch, or most of us do. For whatever reason, dinner tends to be the sticking point. It's kind of witching hour if you have young kids at home. It's after you've finished a whole day of other things, and 
it you know rolls around every 24 hours. I think that it's fairly universal this feeling that dinner time can be a little bit stressful for the person in charge of coming up with the with the meal, shopping for the meal, planning the meal, making the meal, putting the meal on the table, cleaning up for the meal. I, I think universally, I mean, maybe there's a few of you out there listening who say, oh, no, this doesn't cause any friction at all for me in my life. I'd say the majority of people listening are women and the majority of people listening, uh, whether you're feeding yourself or a family, it's something that just tends to kind of nag at us if we don't have a good system. Now, I, about eight years ago, felt so overwhelmed by dinner time that I decided I needed to simplify. And then I took the simplified plan and I simplified it even further and then I simplified it even further and that is what became the minimal meal plan that I'll explain a little bit more in detail or I'll link in the show notes. There's a whole episode about it uh, specifically. But why did I get overwhelmed? What were the obstacles that I was facing? What are some of the obstacles that you face when it comes to your meal planning method or to feeding your family or yourself dinner every day? Here are four that I have come up with, and I'm curious if they resonate for you like they do for me. Why don't we like meal planning? Number one, because we don't really like to cook or because we lack the skill necessary to create the type of food that we want to eat. Does that resonate for you? You just don't really feel like cooking or you don't feel like you're very good at it? Number two, time. Time is a huge obstacle when it comes to doing something repeatedly every single day, not only the time to make the food, which like I mentioned earlier, tends to happen at a difficult time of day, especially if you have kids at home, that kind of witching hour when everyone's hungry, everyone's tired, everyone's sort of like downhill into bedtime. And yet there's this big hump of getting through dinner time. We also have the time that it takes to think about the meals, to plan the meals and to shop for the groceries that is required to make the meals. So time tends to be a big obstacle for people when it comes to dinner time. Is time one of your obstacles? Is that one of the reasons that you feel stressed out around dinner? Number three is decision making. Making choices can be in and of itself stressful. There is a very real phenomenon called decision fatigue that I've talked about before on the show, you may be familiar with, that our, it takes our brain a lot of energy to make decisions. And we make so many every day. There's a point at which the decisions that we make deteriorate our ability to then use good judgment. That's called decision fatigue, that we sort of run out of our ability to make choices. And at that point, you feel stressed out. You might feel overwhelmed. You might feel ambivalent. I don't really care what anyone eats for dinner. I just can't choose another thing. Some of the uh, other episodes that I have, I think I have an episode actually specifically about decision fatigue and reducing the amount of decisions that we make in a given day. And um, I'll link that in the show notes at livefreecreative.co slash podcast. Dinner time happens to be right towards the end of the day that if you don't have a plan, you probably aren't going to feel really excited and creative at you know five or six at night. Usually if you don't have a plan, Decision fatigue sets in and dinner time feels pretty overwhelming. Number four, the obstacle of trying to please everyone involved. If you have kids, 
I hear a lot from moms who say, I really like the idea of a minimal meal plan, but my kids are really picky. I don't know what they would eat. Um, or trying to please a spouse or a partner. My partner likes variety, and so it would be really hard for me to repeat meals because he or she always wants to eat something different. Is this an obstacle for you? Is trying to please the people around the dinner table with the meal itself something that you struggle with? Between those four, I would guess that at least two or three of them resonate for you. I know that at, at some point in my life, all four of those have been an issue and been something that's been difficult. These have been obstacles to overcome, to enjoy and feel ease around the idea of mealtimes. So in this episode, I want to address each of those and how a minimal meal plan or a simplified and edited meal plan can help you overcome that obstacle and bring the ease and enjoyment back into a family dinner time. The first obstacle I mentioned is that we don't like to cook or we don't have the skill required. The solution that I propose to this within the minimal meal plan is that you brainstorm the meals that you like, that you want to try, that fit your skill level already, or that you feel really comfortable with. Now, maybe you don't like to cook at all. Great! With a simplified minimal meal plan, and let me just quickly define for those of you who aren't familiar with the minimal meal plan that I designed several years ago, the idea is that you choose seven meals, seven dinners, and one for each day of the week, and that you repeat them every week for the season. And uh, over the last couple years, I've modified this a little bit because there's a few people who feel more comfortable with two weeks. And great. I mean, it's your meal plan, right? So I, in my family, choose seven meals and we repeat them week over week for the entire season. So for three months long. This way we eat seasonally. We're able to know exactly what we're making. I don't ever ask myself what to have for dinner. I just look at my chart and say, oh, this is what's for dinner tonight. And I already know all the groceries are in the pantry and in the fridge because I have one grocery list that I shop from for the whole season. So it's phenomenal. I love it. And it really helps solve this problem of not liking to cook or not having the skill level to cook well because you choose the meals that fit really well with, you know, things you that you don't mind cooking or that aren't difficult or that you feel like you can work on And after one week or two weeks or three weeks making the same things, you develop the skill. After just a couple weeks, you know how to make those meals like the back of your hand and all of the stress of how to make it or how much time it might take or, you know, how things all go dissipates because of the repetition. Because as you do it over and over again, you get better at it and you you understand it. And this is actually partly how I feel like I've learned to cook well, because when I decided to start repeating meals, I got really good at making specific meals. And then the se- the next season would roll around and I'd have new meals to make, but I'd get really good at making them and then new meals to make. And I'd get really good at making them. So while it's very repetitive in the season itself, it, that repetition helps you develop the skill level and helps you feel at ease. So even if you don't love to cook, it becomes semi-mindless because you're not having to think about a new step because it's the same thing that you made last Tuesday. You're just making it again. And that feels fairly easy. So 
brainstorming your meals, choosing things that you and your family like and that you're interested in. And here's the other thing. There's nothing in the minimal meal plan or in meal planning generally that says that every single one of these meals needs to be made from scratch or that every single one of your chosen meals needs to be something that you're actually in the kitchen cooking. The meal plan just means that you're making the decision ahead of time. That rather than waiting and stressing about the decision at the moment that people are hungry, that you've decided, in my case, once for an entire three-month period what you're having for dinner on Wednesday nights. And so every time Wednesday rolls around, you don't have to make that decision anymore. All of that ease comes back in. There was a a point of time a few months ago when Wednesday is one of my busier days of the week. I do coaching calls all day on Wednesdays, and so I'm usually working at my office until uh, after, right before dinner time, definitely after school time. Dave picks up the kids on Wednesdays. I'm at my office, and I come home. I walk in the door about the time that we normally eat dinner. Recognizing that, and I'm going to get to this. This will roll into the next one, (laughs) into time. But recognizing that, we made the decision as a family that Wednesday nights were going to be burger and fry nights from a local takeout place. So I would drive through, it's called cookout. It's like a Southern in and out, basically. I would drive through cookout on my way home and bring home burgers and fries. So every Wednesday we had burgers and fries. It was planned. I didn't feel guilty about it. I didn't feel like, oh no, I'm just driving through again. I'm such a failure. I felt like this is so great that we've planned a meal that accommodates our schedule, that accommodates our family, and that works well for us. I don't have to think about it. I can just go through the motions and everyone's hungry and happy and satisfied. So you can see how you can plan whatever works for your family. There's no like meal police. No one is going to come and say that you're doing it wrong. Uh, you know, of course you want to consider, I'm a, a nurse and a former diabetes educator, of course you want to consider general healthy eating principles overall as you're formulating your family's meal plan. And it's okay to get takeout. It's okay to use frozen dinners sometimes. It's okay to accommodate your schedule and your family in a way that makes you feel less stressed and more fulfilled. That's what we're going for here. That example of Wednesday night burger nights actually rolls really nicely into the number two solution. So the number two obstacle was time. The number two solution is to consider your schedule as you're planning your meals. A lot of times I've seen meal planning that looks like, you know, choosing recipes and plugging them into the calendar so that you're not repeating meals without a lot of consideration for what your day-to-day life actually looks like, without recognizing that I'm not going to have time to make you know, 45-minute enchiladas after I get home from work on Wednesday because I walk in the door when everyone's hungry. I'm going to need to have something that's quick or that's make ahead. Really considering your own time and schedule is essential in meal planning. More than the meals themselves, considering how you're going to work them into the schedule that your family keeps, you want to be realistic with this as well. I did a call, a webinar of sorts, kind of a live workshop about fall meal planning a few weeks ago, and one of the women on the call mentioned in the chat that one of her daughters has a lesson, and so they're often going to lessons during dinner time, like they're in the car or they're on their way, and I mentioned maybe it would be a good idea to plan an in-the-car meal. Maybe there's something that you could I mean, whether it's driving through and having that be your, you know, your your one day a week that you do that, or whether it's planning, you know, and actually packing like a lunchbox that 
rather than feeling guilty about it or feeling frustrated about it, that you say, oh, tonight's a car, a car meal night. So we got to, you know, make sure that we have our car meals ready to go and that that becomes part of your plan, that you're planning realistically for the schedule that your family keeps. I think a lot of times the frustration with the timing and the timing of, of dinner comes when we're trying to fit our ideal, kind of an idealistic view of what we think we should, with a capital S, be able to do into the box of what is actually realistic for our lives and recognize that, you know, it's not fitting quite right. It's kind of like the ugly stepsister's big foot and Cinderella's glass slipper. And we really, really want it to fit. We really want it to, but it just doesn't. And it's okay to take a deep breath and say, at this stage or season of my life, this isn't going to work, or I'm going to be really thoughtful about the time that I actually have and not be upset that I don't fit into that box. I'm going to create a box and build a box that fits what will feel easy and fulfilling in my own life. That's a good way to kind of work backwards with the time. Obstacle number three is decision fatigue. This is something that is really easily overcome with a minimal meal plan because you make the decision ahead of time and then you just go with it for a while and it's really, really nice. So some examples that I would give you for decision fatigue are to choose meals on days based on your schedule, choose meals uh, with your family in mind or maybe include your family in the decision-making process. I'll talk more about that in a second. Um, you can have a flex plan as well. Like maybe if you're, you have like an AB week or things aren't the same every single week. Uh, I mean, of course the things are not going to be the same every single week, but if your schedule itself changes every week, maybe you have a flex plan that on a day where X happens, Y is what I have for dinner on a day where A happens, B is what I have for dinner. And you still are able to take the decision, the daily decision making out of it, or the even the weekly decision, even like the sitting down for an hour on Sundays to plan your meals. If you're a person that doesn't like meal planning, then this is for you. Now, I should mention this too. If you're a person who loves meal planning and you've got a great system for meal planning and it doesn't cause stress and you don't feel those four obstacles bubbling up in your life, then you're set. I mean, you can listen to this episode and kind of nod along, or maybe there's a nugget here or there that you can take from it, but... This episode is for people who don't like meal planning and they're feeling stressed out by it. In that case, that you are bumping it up against these obstacles and that you are feeling frustrated and overwhelmed and like you don't have enough time or you don't really want to cook or like to cook or that you're having a hard time pleasing everyone, these are some solutions that I have found helpful for these particular obstacles. So if you don't have these obstacles, then that's great. And if you do, then continue listening, my friend. So for number three about decision-making, when you make your decision, you have to remember that there's not a right or wrong decision, that as you're planning your meals, you can simply choose things that you like and just decide. I'm going to, you know, we're going to have spaghetti and meatballs on Monday. We're going to have fish tacos on Tuesday. I'm going to pick up burgers on Wednesday. We're going to do a quinoa watermelon salad on Thursdays and on Fridays we're going to get pizza or make homemade pizza. Saturdays we're going to do that really yummy like white chicken chili with cornbread and on Sundays we really like to grill because we're all home and we have a little bit more time so we're going to do Mediterranean kebabs and pita bread and Greek salad and done. 
and then you write it down and then (laughs) you repeat, 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 and it's the best thing ever. Obstacle number four about pleasing everyone can be a touchy one because the truth is that you don't have a whole lot of control about what other people think about their food. So you can spend a lot of energy and time trying to prepare meals and plan meals that everyone agrees on and that everyone enjoys. And even with all of that time and energy and love that you put into it, it's possible that one of your kids or some of your kids or your partner don't love it just because they don't feel like it. I mean, maybe even like the family's favorite meal, someday someone's just not going to feel like it. And so I found that... If I have to make a decision to have my life feel less stressful and have a great meal on the table every night and to not totally disregard, but just acknowledge that I am not in control of other people's opinions about the meal, that I can do my best and I can incorporate their input at some point in the planning process, but that you know I'm not going to be like a, a short order cook every night for my own sanity. Uh, then I may have to accept that sometimes some people are not going to be okay with the dinner and that is okay. It's okay to have kids that don't feel like eating what you make. It's okay to have a partner that isn't thrilled and over the moon by by your the, your meal every night. Especially if you're the one who has is like shouldering the responsibility for actually like planning, shopping and cooking these meals. I think it's uh, the expectation for everyone to be thrilled with it. I mean, really like a way of showing gratitude for that would be for people to be happy with what you make. So I have found it's been easy for me, easier for me, I should say, to involve my family in the process at the front end. If you need a whole rundown on the minimal meal planning process, head to the show notes and I will link that whole episode. I've got a whole episode and like I mentioned, I have a $17 course. It's an inexpensive, quick course that will give you a full walkthrough. Not only do I touch on how to do a minimal meal plan, but I also touch on some nutrition principles and and, um, some other things as well. So I ask for my family's input during the brainstorming process and then from there, I make those decisions, and I implement the plan, I do the grocery shopping, I create the meals, and if someone doesn't like what I make, then they are welcome to make themselves some toast or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And that's that. If one of my kids is not happy with the meal and they don't feel like eating dinner that night, they can choose whether they just don't want to eat and maybe they'll be a little hungry or whether they want to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and have a banana. I don't make extra meals. I don't, you know, specifically make something new for someone because they don't like it. I don't make two meals. So I don't like make mac and cheese for the kids and then something else for Dave and me. Actually, on Saturday nights, Dave and I go out to dinner for date night. And so that's usually the the night that we have like a full kids dinner. They'll choose mac and cheese with veggies or... I think right now our Saturday night meal is tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches, which they love, and that's a great meal for them to have when Dave and I are out. So I take my kids' preferences into consideration, but in my house, in the way that I have found it to be easiest for for myself is to not plan every meal around any one person's specific needs. And it always helps me to just remember that I could make their very favorite meal and they might not feel like it. And so 
trying to micromanage and having everyone feel pleased with every meal that I make is not likely going to be a helpful goal anyway. So what I do is make sure that mealtime feels really easy and really enjoyable for me. And so whether or not someone's you know, loving the food itself, we can have a great conversation. They can eat their peanut butter and jelly sandwich or their banana uh, or their toast and the rest of us can enjoy the meal. And dinner time itself doesn't feel sacrificed. So I want to give you a very quick rundown on the general minimal meal plan system and how I've been doing it lately with the monthly meal plan page in my Golden Coil Planner. And I will take a picture of this page, this kind of, it's a two-page layout. I include one at the beginning of each month in my planner, even though I only use it for meal planning every third month. I, and the other months I just use it for note pages. But I'll take a picture of this. On the left-hand side, it's just an, like a, lined piece of paper, and this is where I brainstorm. So at the beginning of the season, so right now this was in October, for October, November, December meals, so the winter, or I guess it's the fall season of meals, I, I think we were on a road trip or somewhere that I sat down with the kids and everyone, we were all together, and I said, okay, let's brainstorm for our seasonal, our fall meals. So I wrote down dinners, snack time, breakfast. Um, right now, actually, I found for my own ease and enjoyment that I plan all the meals. So we plan breakfast, after school snack, and dinner. My kids are gone at school during lunch. Uh, so we plan those other things. So uh, you'll see under each of these headlines, dinner, snack, and breakfast, I have just the brainstorming that happened. I asked everyone for input. We have burger night, fried chicken, mac and cheese, pizza, chicken pot pies, chili and cornbread, fish, ravioli, shrimp, burrito bowl, sloppy joes, ribs, ham and cheese, French toast, lasagna, sausage and sides, risotto. These are all the different meals that my family came up with. And after we do the big brainstorm, I look at our schedule and then I start just making some simple decisions based on what feels good for the season, like what ingredients might feel more fun for the fall, uh, what meals we've just had, like in this last, you know, what were our summer meals and maybe I want to add a little variation from our summer meals to our fall meals. Uh, I consider which days of the week are more busy and so for example, right now on Wednesdays we have ravioli. With salad, it's a butternut squash ravioli and you buy it frozen at Trader Joe's. And so it's super simple. Dave makes it. So when I get home from work, it's already made and ready to go. We just sit down at the table and eat it. That's another benefit to having the meals all planned and all the groceries all ready every week that whoever is home, whether it's a babysitter or your partner or yourself, the, it's likely that the meals can happen because everything's there and it's written down on the board. In fact, at this very moment, my sister is babysitting our kids and I shopped for all of our meals just like I normally do before I left and the meal plan is on the fridge and so she's been able to just keep up with our weekly meals as if we were there in our absence. So really easy, really beneficial. So once we brainstorm and I start placing the meals in the days, now on the on the right side of this two-page layout, there is the actual days of the week and it has listed breakfast, lunch, dinner and I just use the lunch category right now for after school snacks. And that goes Monday through Sunday, and then there's a grocery list checkbox. So once I've got all of the meals placed into their days of the week, then I reverse engineer the meals into a grocery list. So for example, for the meal ravioli with salad on Wednesday night, I need to put two boxes of squash ravioli on my list. And then for the salad, I need to make sure that I have 
one package of romaine lettuce, uh, some grape tomatoes, and ranch dressing. So I've got that on my list. So then I move on to the next meal, which is chicken pot pie. And so I make sure that I have the type of chicken that I like, uh, that I have carrots and celery and butter and peas. And right now I'm using, I actually really like making pie crust, but it's felt like an extra step that was unnecessary. So I'm buying frozen pie crust at Trader Joe's and using that to make It's a homemade chicken pot pie with a frozen pie crust, which I feel like is a great compromise. So you can see how I just go backwards. Um, Crepes, make sure that I have, you know, flour and eggs and strawberries and Nutella. That's easy. Sloppy Joe's. I make sure I have those really yummy brioche rolls and uh, grass-fed organic beef and all of the different things that we use to make Sloppy Joe's. So I just reverse engineer this one list. So I have one week's worth of groceries one week's worth of meals. And my newest trick, as just an aside, I'm wrapping up this episode here, but as an aside, I put the grocery list, I have it all written down in my planner. I do it by section. So I have the frozen section, the produce section, the dairy section, the dry section, and I have transcribed it into my phone in a to-do list that has those little circles on an iPhone, if in the notes section, you can add those little check mark circles. And I create the weekly grocery list in a note with the little circles. And one week, I check the boxes as I put the things into my cart. And then I leave the note with all of the boxes checked. And then the next week, I do a little inventory and I see, do I still need Mexican cheese? Do I still need... Uh, more brioche rolls? Do we have some left over? And based on if I do need it, then I leave it checked. If I don't need it, then I uncheck the box. So it's kind of like filling it and unfilling it every other week. And it works out really well because I can inventory what I have at home before I go to the store and then only get the things that I actually need. And I don't have to go through and rewrite the whole list. I'm not reinventing the wheel every week. I have it in there one time. A lot of times I will bring my planner. I have my planner with me in my bag. But sometimes I just have my phone and my keys. And that way I'm able to still do all of my weekly grocery shopping with just my phone. And I've got the list. And I come home with everything that I need to not have to think about meals for the rest of the week. And it is brilliant. The reason that this type of minimal meal plan works for people who hate to meal plan is that it is as simple as it gets. You spend maybe one hour, maybe two, two hours maximum, one time every three months coming up with your plan, and then you just rinse and repeat every week. You don't have to rethink it. You don't have to reinvent it. The things that you're not good at making, you leave off the list entirely. The things that you want to learn how to make within a couple weeks, you're getting down and you're practicing and you're getting really good at them so they don't take a lot of time anymore. You're not spending a lot of time each week coming up with new ideas. You're not spending a whole lot of time each night making the meals because you've already planned ahead so you can go straight to the fixing part. I usually choose about two meals per menu per week that I can make double batches of 
And then the next week, I don't have to make that meal because I've already got it on hand in the fridge or freezer. The chicken pot pie is one example. I'll make the filling for two. And one of them, I will put the pie crust on top and bake. The other one, I put the pie crust on top and freeze. So the next week, I just pull it out. And then the next week, I make two. And then the next week, I don't make one. So you can see how because you know what's coming, because the repeat is happening, you are just set up for success. You don't have to make decisions over and over again. You can fall back on the decision that you already made. And because people are involved at the get-go, you don't have to worry so much about pleasing everyone every night. Whether you choose to do one week or two, this type of simplified meal planning where you front load your decision making and then you just let it roll with ease and enjoyment over the season is really, really wonderful. And I hope if you haven't tried it and you're struggling with meal planning, that you'll give it a try. In the show notes, I'll make sure that I link all of the resources that I have to help you succeed in your minimal meal planning efforts. And I wish you a wonderful, wonderful dinner time. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Live Free Creative Podcast. I hope that sharing some solutions to some of the major meal planning obstacles has been helpful for you. You can think about maybe stepping into a meal planning schedule that will work a little bit better for your family and help you feel the ease and enjoyment that you want to feel around dinner time. I would love to just remind you one more time about the opportunity to do me a huge favor and leave a specific review either on iTunes or on Amazon or on both about how the work that I've done on the podcast and in my book has benefited you and helped your life feel a little bit better. And I hope that you'll be back here next week for another episode of Live Free Creative, same time, same place. Have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.